Welcome to the Novice to Office podcast. I am your man in the capital, Trey Bam. Thanks for tuning in or back in. If you're tuning back in, I hope it's because you're into sequels. Today's episode is part two of my discussion on the big American city. Uh, today, we've got to cover the auxiliary jurisdictions that formed alongside urban centers. They're called special districts. But to help us get through these vegetables, I'm also going to serve as a dessert of the basic st style of urban politics as they emerged in American society, especially right before, during, and after the Civil War. So I'm all about a balanced diet. Uh, before I do, I'm going to suspend the novice to office, no current events policy for just a second. I want us to pause and remember all the poor people who are suffering due to these terrible conflicts around the globe, especially in Ukraine and Israel, Gaza. In Israel, Gaza in particular, the majority of the Palestinian and Israeli population are within mere miles of the conflict. I recently stumbled upon a map which puts this in a slightly chilling perspective. At mylifeelsewhere.com, you can overlay a country over your location via GPS. Israel fits exactly down the Texas's I-35 corridor, which starts above the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and goes a little south of San Antonio. Uh, this website centered the map of Israel right on my home, and I was right between Gaza and Jerusalem. Whoa! Uh... Gaza is a urban jam-packed place of two million people, and it. I'm very sad for all these folks, and I, you know, I'm a little convicted. I'm not as grateful as I should be for all the incredible security and wealth we have in this country. Yes, we have crime, we have these horrible shootings at times, but it's just no comparison to suddenly finding yourself uh, in the middle of a shooting gallery of rockets. So. Let's keep all these people over there in mind. Returning to American cities, as American cities developed over the course of the 19th century, especially, their basic city councils found themselves more and more involved in operations that required special knowledge, training, experience, and oversight. At the same time, different individuals and those unique American associations we often talk about they would band together and sometimes informally, other times quite formally, they would create key services and service areas within a city. The first of these services involved transportation. Remember those canals we talked about back in episode five? When DeWitt Clinton helped create it, the Erie Canal became a unique animal within the state of New York because it crossed multiple jurisdictions and collected tolls at various points. The tolls, of course, went to the state, but the whole system had to be managed by a combination of state-created specialists living along the canal near its locks and urban points. Thus, the Erie and other canals like it became their own type of specialized government units. Uh, the same could be said for various state and federal roads uh, charted around the country. These were called turnpikes where they charge a toll. And they'd be loosely connected with their enabling governments, but they often kind of ran themselves. Usually, uh, leadership would be appointed by a governor, sometimes a city council, uh, but there were often no elections uh, for those governing them, and they would just kind of become self-perpetuating. By the late 19th century, these quasi-autonomous groups 
would come to include irrigation districts, especially out in the western U.S. California is the first state to charter irrigation districts in the legal sense. Now, of course, the irrigation district is quite unurban. It's agricultural primarily, but it became the template for the special district as we would find it in America. As the 20th century dawned, state legislators across the country discovered the need to codify the special district and to set up the rules for creating and operating one. Here is a quickie list of the different types of special districts that began to emerge over the past 125 years or so here in the country. Irrigation, we mentioned. Conservation, mainly for the soil. Again, mainly for ag. Uh, We have hospital districts. Often these would be set up by a county, but uh, they'd be in a city and the county would feed into them. We have park districts. We have wastewater districts. We have transit districts of all types, uh, We meant, as we mentioned. And this would also come to include local mass transit, not just roads. Uh, we have libraries, water, sewer, stadiums. Often stadium districts would be created, and they would straddle multiple jurisdictions, especially as stadiums started to be built out in the suburbs. Uh, we, we have fiber optic districts. Uh, today, we also have the Mosquito Abatement District, um, which can which is formed of several jurisdictions. Now, of course, what I'm not mentioning here are the educational districts, and we're going to talk about those later next week, in fact. Uh, school districts are a podcast under themselves, so stay tuned. But all these other districts, are they're all created by state law. Uh, it's true there are some uh, out in the country that maybe cross state lines or maybe are enabled by Congress, but uh, they are initiated by the states. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, there are right at 90,000 special districts in the U.S. Illinois, by far, has the most, almost 7,000. And that's more even than California, which even has which has the most people, of course. Hawaii is a state with the fewest special districts at 21. There are a couple up in D.C., To better understand the scope of these 90,000 districts, that number, the number of incorporated cities in the U.S. of any size is 19,495. So in other words, there are about 4.5 special districts for every one city. The key feature of these special districts is can they tax or assess, as they often say. Um, A lot of them assess. They say, oh, no, no, we we don't tax, we assess. And they may not initially build a piece of infrastructure, but they will uh, maintain and operate them. Um, And that's really kind of the whole point of their existence. But do they tax? Sometimes the leaders of these districts are elected, but more often than not, they are appointed by either a governor, a county government, or a city. Uh, And this brings me to the dessert of today's podcast But as the server here clears our plates, it's time for the shameless plug. Are you ready to become a change agent in your community? Are you tired of the same old people running your local government? Well, your country needs you in office now more than ever. My name is Trey Bam, and I have a lifetime of experience in politics and government. I have either managed or supported more than three dozen campaigns. I want you to get elected in your community and I can train you with my new innovative online course, Novice to Office. Novice to Office instructs the beginning candidate in everything they need to know to win their election. That's right. I condense the expertise and knowledge used by political professionals 
and make it available to you. My course will teach you the three core concepts of campaigning you can use to be successful at winning your election. If running for office is something you've thought about, but the how-to seems vague or intimidating, novice to office takes away the mystery. In my course, you'll learn how to use social media to reach those likely to vote in your election. You'll be provided with a draft budget and learn the basics of fundraising. You'll be able to organize a strong and effective get-out-the-vote effort. And I will take the information you provide and craft a message that can be tailored for any occasion. My course also includes a 30-minute one-on-one consultation about delivering your message. And we'll also discuss what's unique about your campaign. That's two hours of professional guidance. Using my approach, 80% of my clients either won their election outright or made the runoff, sometimes having never even set foot in the public square. There's no reason state-of-the-art political consulting should only be available to those who can raise the most money. Novice to Office makes consulting that normally costs thousands of dollars available for less than $500. The course, its templates, all upgrades, and discounts on additional consulting and future modules will be yours for a lifetime. Click the link below or sign up at novicetooffice.com and become a change agent for your family, your neighbors, and your community. That's novicetooffice.com. My name is Trey Bam, and I wholeheartedly approve this message. We are back. We've been talking about cities in America and the later development of special districts that serve them, and we're doing it all without anesthesia. Uh, Before the break, I mentioned how special districts have leaders that are frequently appointed by someone rather than elected. Uh, Well, in most cases, this works great because, as I've said, these positions require a certain degree of specialization, and often it's a challenge just to find someone who wants to do it. But even in those spots that are elected, uh, finding candidates to run can be a challenge. Uh, These are almost always volunteer jobs that provide zero compensation and require much of your spare time. Usually the specialists that are needed to serve in some way are connected to the position or the district based on the industry in which they work. Uh, Often they're stakeholders with a pre-existing financial interest. And so really the the positions are volunteer for that reason uh, because the stakeholders just kind of has a say in where everything's going. Uh, The best example of this is probably like a small utility district that serves a new housing development. That said, there are those instances where this, um, these, so we're serving on a special district board has a patronage aspect and therefore a political dimension. And sometimes these leadership positions do pay, if only at times by helping someone pad their resume. This is where people on a city council or in a county court or maybe a state official or a congressional are in a position to build relationships and and grow their uh, power. It depends on how the special district is set up. Uh, for example, a mayor or a state representative uh, may have a key supporter, a donor. A supporter is something of a euth- euphemism, uh, but the money man <laughs> who has property could that could be affected by a local district and would like to be on that district's board. The elected official may appoint 
him or her on that basis. And this happens all the time. And 95% of the time, these appointments are innocent and there's nothing, they're just routine. Yet there's, is that other 5% where maybe a board member's self-interest doesn't quite align with the public good. And then a local newspaper prints a headline about a funny quirk at a meeting that no one attended. And before you know it, the county supervisor retires. Going back to the earlier part of American history, control of cities was by a tight group of people often called the city fathers. And we, we still hear that term today. Often a city's population was disenfranchised in some weird way. And so the electorate uh, for these positions was controllable. As American cities mushroomed during the country's industrial revolution, along with the uh, major immigration uh, during, before, during, and after the Civil War, most of the city power was wrested away by sub-neighborhood groups and their bosses who could organize around social and ethnic lines. Uh, now, of course, this had always occurred to some degree in U.S. cities, but by far the most famous of these was in New York City. William Tweed was the son of a Scottish immigrant who joined uh, various social societies like the Freemasons as a young man as he was starting out. He lived in New York's 7th Ward, and this is what New York calls its precincts, and many cities still do today, the 7th Ward. Uh, it is lower Manhattan along the East River. It's where the famous Bowery Street is. And Tweed had this gift for organizing people, especially those who felt disaffected and disenfranchised. He got involved in his local fire company. Now, back then, fire departments were not departments in the professional civil sense. They were still these semi-independent volunteer groups modeled after Benjamin Franklin's fire company, which was supposed to be men dedicated for that sole purpose. But in New York and elsewhere around the country, these the fire companies that were there acted more like gangs. And they would sometimes fight each other. They'd show up at the same fire and wouldn't put the fire out because they were too busy fighting each other. Civil service laws, EMT training would be decades in the future during uh, Tweed's fire company involvement. But by getting involved with all these social groups, Tweed could organize votes for his local alderman. He also joined a political club of the New York Democrats of the Jacksonian tradition uh, called the Tammanys. The Tammanys were named after a Lenape Indian chief whose real name was Tamanind. Their clubhouse was called Tammany Hall. Tweed rose in prominence through his ward and the local Democratic Party, proving himself a super vote getter. He served in Congress, but it wasn't until he got on New York's version of their county government uh, at that time that he really used patronage and a serious and, and serious graft to aggrandize himself. One of the things that the county supervisors then, what, what they would do is they would require anyone who wanted to do business with the city to mark up their bid 15% for the sole purpose of paying off uh, one of the leaders. But the best case of Tweed uh, profiting off of a special district of, of sorts was the construction of the Brooklyn Bridge. The bridge was literally built by a company created by the New York legislature, the Brooklyn Bridge Company. And Tweed made sure he was on the board through his political connections. No one knows for sure, but it's estimated that more than 20% of the bridge's cost went straight into Tweed's pocket. And all before the bridge collected a single toll. 
tweet, of course, was not the originator of big city machine politics, but he was probably the most skilled at it and America's best example. The Tammany Hall machine he built in the 1860s and 70s would rule New York City well into the 1930s in some form, and they mainly recruited amongst uh, Irish Catholics. Uh, Today, big cities in America don't experience that kind of graft and just blatant theft thanks to civil service and ethics laws. But temptation always remains. The biggest temptation today might exist at the nexus of special districts and their local and state governments that either enable or oversee them. Uh, Still, most of the time, though, these positions and jobs are pretty inane. They're not inherently corrupt. But that is kind of how big cities and especially big cities and metro areas are run today. Next week, we will talk about the ultimate special district, the school district. So you may want to definitely tune in for that one. We'll talk about how public schools came to be and uh, what uh, their biggest maybe challenge is today. Um, so we will get a little bit into current events. Don't forget to like, subscribe, shout out again to Market Scale for all of their hard work in producing uh, the Novice Office podcast. Until our next episode, keep it free. 